Yeah. Welcome to Talking Bulls, brother. Let's get this going. Good afternoon, Bulls fans. This is your host, Kenyatta Wright. Welcome to the third episode of Talking Bulls. I'm joined here with my co-host, Christian Kalevsky from Bullseye Facebook group. Say hello to, hello to the audience, Christian. How you doing, brother? Uh, hello to everyone listening to the show. And uh, I'm excited to do our first show together. Yes, sir. Um, but I was saying that any guy that can get the Denver Nuggets to the playoffs and, you know, after the Denver Nuggets have been like one of the um, in the basement, you know, they were one of those franchises that was in the basement for for a good while. But what do you think about this signing, Christian? I'm going to hand it over to you to give your opinion about this signing. You know more about this guy than I do. You know about his his EuroLeague career and everything you were telling me about yesterday. Um. I'm very excited about this guy. I think uh, out of all the guys that were available and that wanted to do an interview with us, he was my top option. He was the guy that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, most of his moves, I would say 90% of his moves were, you know, great moves. One of the things that people give him slack for is the Donovan Mitchell trade he did uh, I don't know how many of you guys know that uh, he actually traded Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles. Wow. Um, you know, at that point, the guy didn't really need a shooting guard, and I doubt that anyone in the league, including fans, including, uh, you know, uh, knew about Donovan Mitchell. Knew yeah. what Donovan Mitchell will turn out to be. Right. So, at the moment, the trade really made sense. Um, but most of his other moves were great moves. He turned Denver into a team that uh, I don't think any, anybody expected. As uh, Denver is a small market team, and uh, he didn't really have many assets to start with. Uh, they didn't really have any top picks. Uh, you know, Nikola Jokic was, I don't know off the top of my head, but he was a very late second-round pick. He mm-hmm. was like 40s. 40-something, 40-something pick overall. And uh, I've heard that this guy has a lot of connections in Europe. So uh-huh. um, he knows he knows his stuff. He knows all the players from Europe. He has uh, uh-huh. a lot of knowledge. And um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this guy. Right. But I remember seeing Jokic. He was on the other side of the three-point line right in the corner. And he threw a pinpoint pass all the way to the other side of the three-point corner to the three-point shooter all the way over the defense, over the top of the defense to the other side. And I had a good, good view of that. That guy is just special. And the way he can handle the ball a little bit as well. So he takes me as more of like a a small forward in the center's body because of the skills that he possesses. And it was just – I try to go to a lot of games because, you know, this career that I've chosen, I try to get around players and get up close. And because you can't give that kind of uh, statement if you haven't been up close and seen NBA players up close. But I think, you know, his style is different, but it's it's good for what Denver needs. And it's effective. The guy is one of the great players in this league right now. Absolutely. And I don't think anybody saw saw that coming – from from what I've read and from all the reports, 
Uh, I've heard that uh, Karnasovas was actually the only guy in the organization that was pushing for him to get drafted. Also, mm-hmm. they drafted him late, second round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I'm very excited about. Uh, this guy has a lot of connections in Europe, and he knows uh, he knows the players over there. He follows the players closely. He follows the EuroLeague. Mm-hmm. He was a EuroLeague player, one of the one of the better EuroLeague players. He's pretty accomplished, you know. He's mm-hmm. been a great scorer over there. So that's one of the things that uh, that will benefit us greatly, as mm-hmm. not many people. A lot of teams have scouts overseas, but not many people have connection the connections that he has. So. Okay. I doubt that he will pick pick anyone just because they're European. He will pick only the only the great players, I believe, for us, and uh, that's a very good thing for us. All right, good stuff. So let's go back and let's go on to the next topic. Like now, some of the candidates that the Bulls were going to select, I was looking at it last night. Um, Brian Colangelo was one of the guys that they looked at from the Toronto Raptors. Former he- uh, Hawks head of basketball operations, Danny Ferry, they were looking at him. But it ultimately came down to Carn uh, Sofas. I'm try- still trying to say his name and get his name down, Bulls fans. But let's talk about Gar Foreman and and John Paxson as of late. Um, the news that has come out about them, about John Paxson saying he would, you know, step down if asked. And now I'm hearing that you know with Carn Sofas uh, getting an office and being a new executive, that he's possibly going to replace these guys. And I seen an article earlier before I even did this podcast. I was doing my research and, and scouting the uh, scouting the net today, and I seen an article of Jim Boylan saying that he's afraid that he'll be fired. So, what's your opinion on that? He should be afraid. He should be afraid. I think it's a no brainer that Jim Boylan should get, get fired, and I think this guy is smart enough to know that. Um, uh-huh. I think by him accepting the job, he had already in mind the. Uh, the people that he wants to bring. Uh, a lot of the fans are, you know, Bulls fans, we have to agree, are a little pessimistic. And and, and what a reason. I mean, uh, we've been horrible lately. And, um, uh, you know, if a guy accepted the job, I feel like he already knows who he's going to bring. I think he's going to choose his own GM. He's going to choose his own coach. And he's going to make the team. He's going to put together the team that he wants to put. I don't think he will take crap from anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've heard from from all the reports that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and, and the Reinsdorf family have, uh, whoever they interviewed, they've told them that uh, if they accept the job, they will have full autonomy to do anything they want and whatever they think is the best for the team. So I'm not really mm-hmm. worried about, uh, you know, John Paxton or 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 Gar Foreman getting involved in any in any way or trying to you know mess up his job or trying to be a hurdle for him. So if he wants them there, they'll stay there. You know, John Paxton has been here for 17 years now, and uh-huh. he knows how this city breathes. He knows this city very well. You know, Gar Foreman, regardless of what fans think about him, is a good scout. You know. If he uh-huh. needs an advice from them, he's going to ask for an advice. Other than that, I don't really think they're going to intervene with uh, you know, his job or 
he will let them even do that. You know, this guy will have full autonomy. He'll he'll have full power, and that's something that I'm very excited about. Also, something uh, something that I've heard is uh, not everybody in the league has that uh, you know has that power and has that chance to have full autonomy. You know, a lot of other mm-hmm. a lot of other um, you know owners get a lot more involved into into um into the job of the GM and the and the VP. So this is a very good thing for us that he actually has the the you know the the power to do whatever he wants and mm-hmm. that's a very good thing for us. Yeah because it's like for me it's it's like making these guys aware now, you know, and then when it was just them in charge, it was like they were laughing at the fans. The fans were criticizing them with the guard, fire guard pack signs. And they were laughing at us. You know, we heard feedback from them, how they really didn't care what we thought and everything. Now they're jumping on their heels and saying, you know, if I'm asked and being more humble, if I'm asked, you know, I'll, I'll step down. And I'm fearful for my job as far as Jim boiling. And I felt... These guys had an easy job, I felt like. You know, it was easy to be them because, first of all, you're standing on the reputation that that the the, the 90s Bulls have set. You know, when you work for the Chicago Bulls, players and, and GMs and executives and possible executives and free agents come to you, you know, especially when you set that reputation. And the Bulls have set that reputation, you know, where there's still a franchise that many respect. And I felt like they didn't really try to make this team a contender. You know, it was all about the money. It was all about saving money. And which ultimately led to, you know, our mediocrity. You know, we made it in 2011 and 2012. We were a pretty solid team. And then we had the Baby Bulls era from 2004 to 2008. You know, but after 2012, we just it was just like we were just carrying along, along Derek with a, with a bum knee. And it was just mediocre after that, you know, and these guys, I felt like they had every opportunity to retool this team because even after from 2013 to, to, to now, we pretty, to 2015, we had a pretty strong nucleus. You know, yeah, Jimmy Butler, you still had Noah there. You still had Derrick Rose there for a little bit. Yeah. And then you had um, Dunleavy and then you had Gasol. So we had a strong nucleus where if we did lose in the playoffs, you could have retooled. You could have just got like little minor things that we needed. Sure, sure. I mean, they did have their chances. You know, there was a lot of talks of you know LeBron and Wade joining us later. It was you know before that it was Kobe. After that it was um, Carmelo Anthony. Unfortunately, none of those happened. But um, uh, from what I'm hearing, it was pretty close. But uh, one of the main problems I think that uh, the Garpex front office had was a. Uh, they were a little bit of control freaks and they didn't let mm-hmm. anybody do their job the way they, they thought that the job needs to be done. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially after firing uh, Tom Thibodeau, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they hired guys that, that, you know, would listen to them pretty much to whatever and, you know, Paxton says. And, and how about the way they fired them? Like they just walked them out of the, the United Center. That was just cold, man. Yeah, I mean it was bad, and, and not only that was bad for for you know for him, but it was bad for the Bulls' reputation because you know other GMs, other organizations, other players around the league, even fans look at that, and you know, it, it's it's you know 
and then players don't want to come play for the Bulls just because of that, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I think this guy needs to, you know, come in, pick his team, you know, pick a good coach and let the coach do his job, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Pick whoever he thinks that will be the best for the job, you know, the most, uh, you know, a coach that will, you know, do his job right and let him do the job, you know. Don't intervene too much for him. Uh, you know, give him some kind of autonomy also. But at the same time, be able to put a team that will, you know, that will give the coach a chance to, to you know, to succeed. Right. Because now, that you, can't was, uh... coach, you can't put a coach in place and build a team around him that doesn't fit his coaching style and expect the coach to succeed, you know. Right. That's exactly right, you know. And um, I, I think Jim Boyle is a good coach, man. I mean, you can't be not a bad coach and be a part of, you know, what, what Greg Popovich did in San Antonio and to be a part of the back-to-back championship Houston teams in 94 and 95. Like, you can't be a part of that and not know something about the game, you know. So No, he's definitely they, a good defensive coach, but uh, he's right. a good motivator. But other than that, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't really think he's a good, he's a very knowledgeable, you know, his ex. So you saying, his, yeah, I was just about to say that. So you saying his X and O's on offense is not as tight and, and sharp as his defensive mindset. Absolutely. And right. him so I, plays, another thing, you know, the rotations were horrible. We have to agree that mm-hmm. the rotations were horrible, you know. Mm-hmm. It, he was refusing, you know, when all the players were, you know, injured. He was refusing to start Daniel Gafford, for an example. He was refusing mm-hmm. to start uh, Kobe White. Like, the season was over, and he just wouldn't start Kobe White for some reason. I think that it, he would benefit a lot if he started at least 10, 15 games for us when the season is over for us and we got nothing to, to play for. I think that he deserved to start. And just, you know, things like that that just add up and make him look bad. Other than that, he's a good motivator, but I really don't think he's, a, a, you know, a main coach in this league. You know, he's not a – he can't really lead a team like, you know, most of the good yeah. coaches. He's a good, he's now, a good uh, assistant coach. I'll give him that. Right. Now, what I was talking about earlier about, um, you know, the Bulls' reputation and, and, and uh, players and former players and, and former execs and execs around the NBA uh, loving the Bulls' culture, it, it really reflects on the backlash that the Bulls got, you know, upon looking for their candidate, their executive candidate. There, there was rumors going around that, you know, a lot of African-American players and execs didn't even get a call or offer from the Bulls um, to, to interview for the job. And, you know, there's, you know, articles out there hinting that the Bulls might be racist, you know, towards African-Americans uh, working with them. That's but I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. They hired, um, you know, Bill Cartwright as a head coach. And there's a lot of African-Americans that work in this organization. So to say something like that, you know. Um, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, man. And I'm just I'm just upset that, you know, the Bulls weren't talked about all year, you know, because they were losing, you know. And 
the moment that we start to make that turn and start to get somebody that can give us some kind of hope and improve us, here come the negativity to drag our names through the mud. And I really don't appreciate it, you know, and to bring out something like racism, that's a, it's a serious hope. accusation. It is. And it you have, have, it is. And you have to have solid proof when you accuse somebody of something like that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I can give you, I can give you, uh, my opinion from both perspectives because uh i happen to be a minority you know i'm a i'm I'm an immigrant but at the same time i am white also so i can give you an answer from both perspectives um you know i don't really think that was the case at all especially the chicago bulls uh i don't think anybody has the proof to to you know accuse them of something like that most of the guys they interviewed um they, I think that they knew and they had in mind already who can they attract for the job and mm-hmm. who, who will be the right choice for them. Obviously, we would all love to have Sam Presti or Masai Ujiri, but mm-hmm. they weren't available to us. So from the guys that were available, they interviewed the guys that were available and they made the right choice. So I don't really think there's any racism involved. Right. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break and come back. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, Bulls fans, and we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to discuss uh, Spencer Dinwiddie trying to play GM, and also Christian's going to give you more of his his mindset um, towards all of this that's going on with the Bulls right now in the offseason. We'll be right back. Hey, Bulls Nation. Talking Bulls is the new wave, the podcast that speaks the truth to loyal Bulls fans. We'd be honored to hear your thoughts on the Bulls. Shoot us your comments to this podcast on Twitter at TalkingBulls82. Follow us at Spotify and Talking Bulls Facebook group. All right, we're back on Talking Bulls, and when we were going to break, Christian had some more he wanted to share with Bulls fans. Uh, you ready, Christian? Yeah, I just wanted to throw in the fact that uh, the guy that we actually hired is a minority. I mean, the man is a Lithuanian, you know, he's a Lithuanian guy. You know, he's not an American, typical, you know, white Caucasian American. He is a minority as well, so, you know, all, right. all the racism stuff goes out of the, out of the gate, you know. Yeah, but this article was um, on ESPN and it was directed towards, um, I read it on ESPN. I forgot who, who had actually written the article. I actually wrote it down and I was trying to go through my notes and find it. But it was an African-American as well because you know how they have the little icon, they have the picture and you can see who wrote the article it was an African-American writer that wrote it for ESPN. And you Bulls fans can go on the ESPN site and try to find that article. I could have sworn it was an African-American that wrote it. And he said, like, you know, candidates like Michael Finley were not considered, and there were other, you know, candidates that weren't considered. Um, but wasn't Usai Ujiri of, that built the Toronto Raptors, wasn't he courted by the Bulls? I heard something like that. Of course. I mean, anybody in the league would like to have him, but uh, unfortunately he was unavailable. So. And he's African-American. Exactly. So you know you can't you can't you can't jump to those conclusions, man. Sometimes it's just that you're not thought of because you haven't done anything. Like Michael Finley, 
I know him as a good NBA player, but I don't know him as a, as somebody that has built an organization and that has taken a, taken a team from the ground up. You know what I'm saying? And I, this guy, Kona Sovitz, he took the Nuggets from irrelevancy to relevance, in a sense, you know? And, and what I love about him is the fact that uh, he did that with a small market team. When you give him the opportunity mm-hmm. to run a team like the Chicago Bulls in a city, mm-hmm. in a, one of the greatest cities in the world like Chicago, uh, with mm-hmm. one of the greatest organizations in the league. I mean, I can only name a couple of organizations that, are, that have been more accomplished than us, like the Lakers, you know, the, like the Lakers, the Boston Celtics, maybe the Spurs. I would have the Bulls on top of the Spurs, but the Spurs is a, you know, San Antonio Spurs is a very respectable organization, one of the best. But, you know, we're definitely a top three organization. Uh, Giving him the opportunity to run an organization like that, I think he will do an even better job than he did with, uh, you know, with uh, Denver. Mm -hmm. He should be able to get free agents. He should be able to make good trades, you know. Players should mm-hmm. want to come to Chicago to play because of the history, because of Michael Jordan being here, because of the challenge of, you know, uh, because of the challenge of uh, trying to turn all of this around and bring back mm-hmm. the Bulls into the contention conversation and stuff like that. Yeah, man. And, 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 and what was alarming to me is that as soon as we made this move, we were talked about. There was a article. There was a, a headline on ESPN with, with Adrian Woj actually announcing that we were going after general manager, and with all these other teams that the NBA has been focused on, like the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, preferably, you know, because of LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, basically, and those has been the only teams that's been able to be talked about all year. And then for us to make a move like this, and then for us to be talked about. You know, and then for, you know, execs to say they they wanted to be considered is already making me feel like there's a change coming to Chicago, man. You know, I just feel like nobody liked Garpax. They didn't hate us. They hated those two. Absolutely. I mean, they 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 had their ups and downs, you know, more downs than mm-hmm. ups. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was definitely time for change. And I think they both knew it as well. They just didn't want to admit it. But uh, it's great, man. I'm very happy. One thing that bothered me is this morning when I woke up, I turned on first, I put on first take, and uh, there's Stephen A. Smith, uh, of course, talking about racism instead of talking about the actual hire. You know, that that's one one thing that really bothered me. You know, this is a very big news for us Bulls fans. You know, we really wanted to hear the opinion of you know these analysts about. Uh, about mm-hmm. Kurtzow was joining us, and the mm-hmm. first thing we get uh, is Stephen A. Smith talking about racism. You know, it, it really bothered me. Yeah, he, he's been known to do that a, a lot of times. Um, even in the NFL, he's he's pleaded for the Cincinnati Bengals um, head coach. I don't have his name in my head right now, but I, I'm sure you guys know I'm talking about an African American. And he actually pleaded for him to be fired. So for you to bring up the race car when you pleaded for certain coaches to be fired that were African-American, it's kind of hypocrisy, you know. But his stance is that, you know, um, certain guys don't deserve a a head coaching opportunity unless they've proven themselves, unless they, you know, they're worthy. And um, this guy that we just hired, I think he he has a good enough resume where he should have been hired. 
I didn't actually see the the Stephen A. Smith interview today. So can you fill us in to what he what he said on that interview? I mean, he was pretty much talking about all the stuff that you've read on online about you know racism and how they haven't everything you mentioned, how they haven't you know uh, interviewed any you know African Americans for the job and stuff like that. And look, I understand that you know African Americans like to be represented more and stuff like that, but also at the same time. You have to agree that uh, uh, European players uh, in the past years have also been discriminated against. You know, there's always this this kind of you know aura around everybody uh, coming from Europe that's mentioned that's uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, they're not good enough. They're gonna be busts. This, that, mm-hmm. and the third. And I think that's not fair as well. But uh, I also mm-hmm. uh, being a, a European uh, guy. Mm-hmm. I also agree that, uh, you know, when somebody is not good enough for the job, he's just not good mm-hmm. enough for the job. I don't care if he's black, if he's white, if he's a uh, European, mm-hmm. whatever he is. If you're if you're good enough for the job, you'll get interviewed and you'll get the job. Now, let me tell you the mistake I made. Um, the mistake I made is when Luka Doncic was, was being drafted. And I, I really didn't want Luka Doncic. And I had that same uh, discriminatory thing, not because he was European, but I've seen enough European players in the league come along that were non-athletic and were just based at shooting. And I wanted a physical player that would attack the basket and but be athletic and force the issue. And I didn't think Luka Doncic would be that, you know? Yep. But he's turned out to be that and more, man. This guy's all around. And, man, I've seen some of his numbers the other day. His numbers eclipse what LeBron James did in his first year. Oh, yeah, man. So this guy... I don't think anybody so had uh, a good... Uh, a start, a career start like Luka Doncic so far. He's he's up there with the best ever, man. So yeah, you remember man. me talking about him like few years before the the draft, before he even. Got and you drafted. remember me saying I didn't want him, right? <laughs> yes, sir. So yeah, I, I was I was strong, and I forgot who I actually wanted that year. That's the fu- that's the funny part because I, I forgot who Ayton, I wanted. You wanted DeAndre Ayton or or uh, Bag Bagley. Yeah, that's that's it. I wanted Aiden because Aiden had that size, and I was watching some 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 clips of him in college, and the dude was just a monster, man. It was like he was a man playing amongst boys. Yeah, he's definitely you know, one it's of like, the best uh, in that draft class. But uh, you know, Luka Doncic was the you know the dark horse, and mm-hmm. you know, Luka is amazing, man. Anybody would love. I don't I don't even think you could trade anybody, not even LeBron James, for Luka Doncic at this point. You know. And the reason and the reason why he's had such a good impression is because what you said earlier in this podcast is that some of these Europeans, they, they've actually been playing professional basketball before they got over here. So they have the edge over these college players that are just playing college. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? His but IQ, his IQ is off the charts, man. You can tell that this man has been playing, you know, against grown men. He's been playing professional. He's been coached well. You know, one of the things mm-hmm. that I really like about European coaches is, you know, I feel like personally, maybe maybe I'm not right, but my personal opinion is that European coaches are better than American uh, than NBA coaches. I don't want to say American, just NBA coaches in general, because they have a lot more power in Europe. You know, over here, uh, NBA players make, uh, you know, ridiculous amount of money in the league, and it's hard for somebody who makes $5 million uh to to you know to 
get the respect of a player who makes $150 million, you know? Right. That's not the case in Europe. In Europe, players make a lot less money, you know. Some of the players, mm-hmm. you know, make don't even make millions. It's in the hundreds of thousands. And the coaches mm-hmm. have a lot more coaches are a lot more uh a lot more respected. You know, players mm-hmm. listen to them. They yell at players when they, you know, when they make a mistake. That's not the case in the NBA. In the NBA, the star player has all the power. You can see that with LeBron mm-hmm. James. LeBron James cannot be coach. LeBron James is nah, the coach can't. and the player, you know, and that's the that's the case with most of the players. James Harden, you know, all of the superstar players. So right. that's one thing that European players have coming into the league. I agree mm-hmm. that most of the European players are not as athletic as the African Americans, but they also happen to have a, a lot higher IQ and mm-hmm. uh, and a way lesser ego coming into the league just because of the fact that they were coached well. So, that's yeah. my opinion on that. Well, I'm going to tell you this, and I know that you've you've heard this from me in my famous rants on Bullseye Facebook group. Matter of fact, Bulls fans, check that, that group out, Bullseye Facebook group. Um, my buddy Christian is on there, and a lot of, uh, you know, Bulls fans that really love this team, and we're very passionate fans, and it's one of the best groups I've ever seen on Facebook. So, check that out if you guys get a chance. Call the Bullseye Facebook group. But I think also with the European players have the edge over. I don't see the, the pay scale. I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a benefit more than a hindrance because it forces the European players to respect the game more than just the money, you know? Exactly. And they, they, they go out there and they do their job, man, and they really passionately love this game. They really want to be great. And I hate to say that, but after the 90s, I don't see these players really love the game like that. It's all about money, you know. It's all about how much they're getting paid. And it's, it's how much I'm getting paid first and effort second. And I feel like the European players, they just love the game, man. And that's just their culture, you know. And you think about – I've never been to Europe. But you think about it in a sense, it's like that's probably all they have over there. So they respect it a lot. They cherish it, you know. Absolutely. And the atmosphere over there is just, man, it's just hostile. It's very hostile, you know. So when they come into mm-hmm. the NBA, I don't think it affects them a lot when they play, whether they play at home or they play, you know, away. So, you know, the environment in Europe is just, you know, very hostile. You got these fanatic, you know, fans oh, wow. who, who, who go there and and just mm-hmm. make it hell for opposing, you know, opposing teams. So that's another thing that Europeans, uh, Europeans have uh, mm-hmm. coming into the league. Well, that's great, man, because it's the same thing with the fans. That's probably all the fans got to look forward to over there as well. Like I said, I'm just judging on the outside in. I've never been to Europe, but I'm guessing, you know, that's probably, you know, most of these countries, that's all they have is sports. Yes, sir. And they respect it. Yeah, they respect it a lot more, you know. Yeah. But let's get off that topic. I actually want to talk about, um, and this is going to be our final topic of the show, but we, I didn't want to finish the show without talking about Laurie Markin and, and him saying that he would he wanted to leave if things didn't change. Obviously, with uh, Carla, Carla, I don't know how to say this gentleman's name. I'm going to have to get used to it. But obviously, with this, this exec signing, that's a change, and change is, is forthcoming. So is that enough to keep him here? But why do you and, and why do you think he he came out and said that he would want to leave? What do you think is is his frustration um is directed from? I mean, look, brother, 
uh, we all know that uh, uh, players talk behind the scenes. You know, it's 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 not a secret that players, you know, uh, when they're not satisfied with a coach or with a with the way an organization is ran, they talk. You know, they talk behind closed mm-hmm. doors, and that's the case with everybody around this league. So, if I was a player, I would probably feel the same way. To be honest, uh, Laurie Markin did, did not uh, regress because of the fact that. Uh, he just became a worse player. It was because of the situation that he was put in. He was standing on the behind the three-point line, and that's he was asked to do that all season long. When we know he's a better player and he should drive to the basket and he should be able to, you know, have better numbers, put up better numbers for us. So uh, the fact that he regressed was not his fault. Mainly, it was the fault of the of the coaching staff and of the way uh-huh. that this organization is ran. So, obviously, if I'm a player, I want to be on a team that plays in the playoffs every year, you know? I don't want to be on a team that wins 20, 20 games a season for five straight years, you know? Right. So And that, and that, that, that's a good thing about him is because I can see the hunger in him. Like, when he came out in the beginning of the season and he was on, on the interview table with Zach Levine, and you can tell both of them wanted a different season than we're having. You know, they wanted to really make their mark. And he takes me as a kid that wants to be great. And you don't really see that in a lot of younger players. He want to be great. And he don't. He doesn't like losing. They both don't like losing. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, like what you said, it's a testament to the job that Jim Boylan has done with him and how he's utilized him. I don't feel like he's utilized this guy the right way. This guy, before Jim Boylan started coaching, was a, well, he played in the post a little bit, and he played pretty well in the post. But now he's been regulated to just a three-point shooter. And I don't think even though he can shoot some three-point shots and three-point um, shooting is kind of his game, it's not all of his game. And the rest of his game is not being utilized. He's I not think- being up in plays either. Not only that, but who is going to get him the ball? Larry Markinen is a player uh, that needs a point guard, uh, you know, mm-hmm. We don't have that guy, you know. So him standing at the three behind the three point line is really useless when when you don't have anybody to get him the ball, you know. Sadoransky right. is not that guy. I'll admit I was a lot higher on Tomas Sadoransky, but mm. I always had that doubt. I I even told you guys. I even we even discussed this in the group before he even played a single game for us. I watched mm-hmm. them in the, I watched them in the, uh, the World Cup. Uh, uh-huh. this guy is just too passive. He really is a good player. He's just too passive, you know. It's, he just kind of plays uh-huh. with fear. And he's not that guy. We really need a floor general. We need a guy. We need a point guard. And that's that should be one of the main things that Bulls look uh, to acquire in this upcoming season. Right, 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 man. Now, Chris Dunn is another name that has come up uh I was listening to Casey Johnson, and they said the possibility of him coming back is great because the market out there is not good enough right now for Chris Dunn, not strong enough, not enough teams are going to want him. But I think Chris Dunn had a solid year, you know, from going from great. being a player that was more offensive-minded to going into a player that led the league in steals. And he just – he's one of, he's a utility player to me now. That's what he is. Amazing, do you think he'll be amazing guy? I think the Bulls absolutely have to bring Chris Dunn back, even if it means paying him a little more money. He's the type of player. I mean, you saw uh, every time Chris Dunn is on the floor, we're a 
a top defensive team. You know, with him and Wendell Carter Jr., we're up there in the top five, top seven, eight defenses in the league. And that was mainly because of Chris Dunn, you know. So mm-hmm. he should come back definitely. I think it's a no-brainer, uh, especially with the new uh, with the new GM and the new uh, and Carnesovas being in play and a new coach and the culture change mm-hmm. and all of that. I think all of the players are, are satisfied and uh, we should have a better record uh, when the players are happy, you know. We should. Because and I'm going to tell you talent. what. Big, I was just about to say that, Christian. We do have the talent. See, perception is everything. You know, just because you put talent out on the floor, and I've been saying this for years to a lot of basketball fans because they think just because you got a good team on paper, it's already systems going. You're supposed to have a great record. It doesn't work out that way. You have to have a coach that knows how to put the talent together. The coach has to have a game plan. He has to have a way of how he's going to utilize all of these guys in their right spots, in their sweet spots, put them in their sweet spots, where they can be effective. And I don't think Jim Boylan is doing that. I think Connor Sophis is going to have a great, easy job because the Bulls have the talent already. He just has to tweak it and add to what they already have. They have a great core. And I don't want to lose Laurie Marketing. I think he's part of our future, and I want to see him in a different system. And I think that guy's going to be a star. He was on the verge of becoming a star before Jim Boylan took over, I believe. Yeah, Larry Markin is a is a talent that's hard to find in this league, and all of the teams are looking for a guy, you know, for a stretch four, a guy that can shoot mm-hmm. the ball well. Uh, you know, if anybody gets traded, I'd rather see, you know, when as much as I love him, I'd rather see Wendell go before Larry Markin goes because Wendell is, you know, a lot easier to replace than Larry Markin is. Um, yeah, he don't have no heart though. You know, so uh, but I'm gonna t- tell you, I'm gonna tell you right now, though, Christian, he's better than Laurie Markkinen, though. I could tell you that right now, just the skill set that he has. He is, and he has um, the guy's, guy's a monster, but he's not gonna have the heart, man. He is, he has a lot of uh, you know, his potential is off the charts, and um, you know, I don't really think anybody, even Laurie Markkinen, as much as I love him, I don't think anybody on this team is untouchable. So the thing that I love about Carnesova. Oh no 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 no! I stop you there, man. I think Kobe White is untouchable, brother. I mean, sure, but if you get a you know, if you get a a deal that you can't really you know refuse, I'm willing to part ways with Kobe White, man. Because honestly, uh, Kobe White is not a point guard, and Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. We can both agree Zach Levine is gonna start over Kobe White. So. Kobe White is going to be a bench bench player for us if he stays, uh, regardless. He, and I'm I telling you, I see Megastar with that guy, man. I don't want to lose him at all. I'd rather get rid of Zach Levine than to get rid of Kobe White. You know, Zach Levine, uh, I really like his contract, to be honest. A lot of people didn't like his contract when, when he signed. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. $20 million for a guy that can score like that with the best of them in the league that has probably the best first step in the league is, is something mm-hmm. that I don't want to lose, to be honest. When you put a good players around them, uh, when you put a team that's, uh, that's more competitive around them, he's a guy that, you know, a lot of teams would love to have. But uh, I'm going to say again, I don't even think Zach Levine is untouchable, you know. if And that's the thing that I love about this situation. Carnes always coming in has a lot of assets and he has players that have a lot of talent that that teams would love to have on 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 their squad. So 
he he has the opportunity to make some moves, uh, you know, to make some moves and bring in some players. And uh, I'm just excited to see what, what he's going to do. Well, you know, brother, I've been saying for years that, you know, nobody should be untouchable when it comes to winning. My thing is I don't never want to get too attached to players. I'm always about winning. If getting rid of you means that we're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals or possibly NBA Finals, I'm going to get rid of you in a heartbeat because it's all about the team, the team success, man. Exactly. You know, and years from now, if me and you are like turned to end up being 80 or, or 70 years old, um, everybody's always going to remember, did the Bulls win this X amount of years? They're exactly. not going to remember who played for the team this year or whatever. Nobody's going to remember these years, these past two or three years, you know, or who was on the team. And right. At the same time, I want to say this. Uh, you can't expect to be untouchable when all you did was win 20 games, you know, regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, regardless, you're not that player. If you were really that good, uh, we should be in the playoffs. We, we should definitely be in the playoffs. If we're not in the playoffs, part of the blame goes to you, you know. But, you know, Christian, that goes back to what we were saying about Jim Boylan, though. That's why this year coming up is very key for me, because I want to see under a new system, under a new executive, under a new structure, how these players perform. Because yep. how they perform this year after he done changed everything and possibly changed the coach, that's going to tell me if it was really Jim Boylan or it was really the, the players. And I think it's Jim Boylan, brother. If that's everybody on the team is playing horribly, it got to be the coach. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would, you know, I wouldn't make too many changes. And I don't think Karnasova should make that many changes because, uh, like I said, the team has talent. All we need is a floor general. We need a very good point guard. And uh, that's one of the things that I would do if I was in his position, bring in a, a guy that, you know, can get the ball to players. And uh, other than that, I like the team, man. If we get a good point guard, Zach Levine, Otto Porter is very underrated. I know people don't like him making the money that he makes, but there's a reason he makes that money because I think he's good, bro. He's good. He's a good player. Because those players are very rare. He's a very serviceable, you know, defender. He can shoot the ball with the best in the league. You know, he can shoot at 40% from the three-point line. And uh, he's a player that's hard to find. Uh, now that we got him, we should keep him. He will probably most definitely, you know, accept that player option. That he mm -hmm. and uh, um, I really like the team, man. If we get a good point guard, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry Markin, and Wendell Carter Jr., we got some veterans, we got Thad Young, you know. We bring another, you know, another wing or another, you know, shooting guard off the bench. Well, not a shooting mm -hmm. guard because we have Kobe White now, but bring Chris mm -hmm. down back. This team is a playoff team, absolutely, man. And we need to get back to yeah, that, we need to get back to that playoff, you know playoff spot again and make ourselves more attractive to, you know, free agents. Also, this coming up here, uh, there's not a lot of superstar, other than Anthony Davis, there's not a lot of superstar uh, free agents, so we should keep that. We should, you know, keep our financial situation uh, for for next uh, next offseason, what is it, 2021? 20, 20, yeah. Uh, because there's a lot more. It'll probably be the best, you know, off season in a while. 
So I wouldn't make too many changes. I would bring back the same team, maybe bring in a point guard. If we get mm-hmm. top pick, maybe draft ball, you know. Other than that, I wouldn't make too many changes uh, on this team. Well, I could tell you, I could tell Bulls fans this firsthand, and if they they remember uh, correctly, uh, they'll they'll remember this. We were in most of these games this season, man. It's just at the end, Boylan didn't know what to draw, but except isolation, Zach or Kobe at the at the top of the key, man. That's all he had in his playbook, and it's like you have to be more creative with your playbook, and that's part of the reason why I think it's him. It's him. You have all of these guys on this team. And, like, what they did in the Washington game when they traveled to Washington, do you remember how they won that game, Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, also – That was creative. Uh, the injuries played also a part in the in the horrible record. But, you know, there's no excuse, man. There was enough talent to make the playoffs, especially in the – Tom the- Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau said, next man up. That's what I always go by, regardless of who's hurt. Exactly. Oh, and I also want to throw in that uh, I like Chandler Hutchison this year, man. Hutchison – after the injury, when he came back, he played amazing, man. So, um, mm-hmm. so we got players. Daniel Gafford. I mean, I wouldn't be if somebody gets injured. I don't feel bad about Daniel Gafford starting. I think he can start. He's a young Taj Gibson, man. That's a young Taj Gibson right there. That guy got a motor on him, man. You know, I'd rather, in, in all honesty, I'd rather have Daniel Gafford start than Thaddeus Young in this point. So. Uh, we do have the talent. Even if it comes to Teddy as young starting, he's a good start. He started all of the games, most of the games for, for the Pacers the year before he came to us. So we do have the talent. We just, you know, need to find, like you said, a good coach that will that will utilize these guys in a in a better way. Right. Well, you know you got a lot going on right now. And I even seen a story with that young that the, the Bulls are shopping him. So I don't think he'd probably be part of the team. That's just, that's if that's true, because you always have all of these stories out there, and not all of them are true. That's one thing I will tell you, Bulls fans. Don't believe everything you read, man. Some of these writers are just looking for a story, and they just grab onto one little thing that they heard and just make an article out of it, and it's not even true, you know? But yeah. I would like to keep that. I think he's a great – veteran for our, for our young guys. Um, He picked it up a little bit in the second half, you know, of the season. After the All-Star break, he picked it up a little bit. You know, uh, you know. Uh, also, I wanted to talk about that good thing that you brought it up. Uh, a lot of people were a little too high on on, on, on the players, on players like Tad Young and Kobe White just, you know, uh-huh. berserk at the se- second half of the season. But we got to understand that the second half of the season is where – most teams have, uh, you know, either they made the playoffs already or they just uh, have these second-string players starting for them. And, uh, you know, we don't play against the best the best of the best against whoever we play. We just play against their bench or uh, against players that they're trying to develop and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so uh, but yeah, Thaddeus Young, is a great defensive player on offense. He's not that good, but you need players like him. You need players that that play defense. You need, uh, you know, Kobe White also. Kobe White had a very good season, but he had his ups and downs. You know, uh, yeah. If you're trying to make the playoffs, I don't think he should start. I thought he should start because our season was over. We didn't have anything to fight for anymore, and that's why I would give him, you know, the opportunity to start and get that feel. And, you know, get uh, familiar with players like Zach Levine, you know, build mm-hmm. some chemistry and stuff like that. But uh, 
uh, I don't think Kobe White is the answer at point guard. You know, he is not a point guard. He's just not. I don't think he's that great defensively, though. But you see, this we talked about these major stars, but what about the guys on this team that nobody talks about that I still that I think is also effective, like Shaq Harrison and like Archie and and like you just brought up Daniel Gafford. Those guys make a difference. Those guys that scrap and play defense and block shots. You know, you need those guys. I wish that we can really find a way to keep those kind of guys on this team. Yeah, they'd be good for role players. About, uh, I agree about Gaff and. Uh... Chris Dunn, I don't know about uh, Harrison. Harrison plays great defense, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I have, you know, if I have room for him on my squad. You know, there's a lot of other players that I'd rather have in front of him. He's a guy that you throw in when everybody's injured, just, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think he should be in the rotation on, on any team right. in this league, you know. Right. He's a great defender. All right, so- I'll do that. Yeah, he's pretty decent. He's pretty solid. So now that we done covered all our bases, it's like, what do you? What's your final thoughts on this team going into next season? Like, what, or if you know the NBA is able to pick back up, I, I I doubt that they would start the season. They would probably start off on the playoffs. But if we did get back, jump back into the season, uh, what are you looking to see from this team now that we have this possible Zet coming in and making all of these positive changes? What What are you looking at? What kind of outlook? I mean, that would be great for, for you know, for Karnasovas and uh, for whoever we bring as a new coach to, you know, get a feel, get a, you know, um, understand what we have, you know, and test a couple of things for however many mm-hmm. things we got left. That would be mm-hmm. really good for us. But at the same time, even if the season doesn't resume or it resumes uh, starting from the playoffs, I don't think it's that much of a bad thing. I really love the fact that we – uh, did all the changes or are doing all the changes right now well, uh-huh. uh, instead of, you know, later on or uh, after the uh-huh. start of the next season because we got time for evaluation at this point. We got time right. for the GMs and the coaches and the front office to, you know, make some tweaks and changes if necessary. This is uh, definitely the time to do it, brother. You got a lot of time right now because they don't know when this shutdown going to be over. And I haven't been this positive about Bulls basketball in a while, man. That's my opinion at this yeah. point. I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm very excited and happy that we hired this guy. Um, yeah. I'm just – next thing I'm looking forward to is to see who he's going to bring, uh, you know, around them and who yeah. he's going to bring as a head coach. And yeah. uh, like I said, I don't expect too many changes on the roster except maybe if we get a top three pick, maybe drafting – a. Uh, you know, LaMelo, uh, uh-huh. or if not that, bringing, like I said, bringing in a, a good point guard and a floor general. That would be the only tweak I would make to this roster. I would bring back the yeah, same. Man. And I'm very positive that we will make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Because I got the funniest analogy right now because it's like you have a plumber or you have like a, 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 a handyman that has all of these tools and – he don't know how to use them. I hired him, and he don't even know how to do the job or use the tools that I gave him. And I brought in a real handyman that really know how to use these tools. Now, all of a sudden, everything starts getting built up, and you start seeing a project. Yep. That's the way I'm, I can put it as far as the difference between guard packs, and I think this Connor Sobers dude is going to show. Oh, I also wanted to – I agree with, with you on that, but I also wanted to get your opinion on uh, what do you think our chances are on getting Anthony Davis? <laughs> No chance, bro. 
You don't think so? I think Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis is going to uh, – I don't know, man. It, it depends on if the NBA comes back and how his situation in L.A. ends up. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a little bit more positive now than I was before that, before this hiring, because yeah. nobody was touching us with a 10-foot pole with Garpax here, brother. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, nobody was if uh, I, I look at it this way, uh, LeBron James is old, right? I don't, I don't think he has many years left. And uh, if if uh, Anthony Davis ends up signing back with the Lakers, uh, he's risking uh, he's risking to end up being the main star on that team, just like he was in, in New Orleans with LeBron. You know, being at the dawn of his career, even though he's still uh-huh. playing great. You know, if, if Anthony mm-hmm. Davis signs four, five years with the L.A. Lakers, you know, he's risking mm-hmm. uh, ending up in the same situation like he was in New Orleans. So, uh, But that's why I told you, man, if it depends on how that situation goes down. Um, I still think LeBron got like a, a good number of a good two or three years in him to still be the best player on the Lakers. So that's not a guarantee that that's going to be Anthony Davis's team. But I don't think. The Lakers are going to win a championship this year. I think if the NBA resumes, I have the Clippers beating those guys, man. No, I really do. Sense, I, I got the Clippers over the Lakers as well, but uh, they definitely have a chance, you know. Uh, you never know what happens. No, they, they, have, a, and stuff like they that. have a chance, but when you put them against the Clippers, it's just completely different to me. First of all, I respect Doc Rivers' track record more than I do Frank Vogel. That's number one. Yeah, for sure. He knows how to really get these guys playing as a unit and playing as a family. And you got to remember, a lot of people don't remember this. The, the Clippers were together, like 90% of their roster was together before they got um, um, Paul George and, and um, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Those guys were together. But you also have to agree that uh, their chemistry was not that good this season just because of the fact that Uh, Kawhi and Paul George as well missed missed a lot of games and they didn't play too many games together. So right, right, the right. players around them have to adapt to them being on the floor uh, along with 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 the other players on the team. You know, so their chemistry is just as bad as as the Lakers. I would even go as far as to say that the Lakers probably have a better chemistry at this point, even though the Clippers well, are a better team. Well, well, the number that you need to think about, though, is 10 games because that's the, the, the amount of games that the Clippers were together healthy. They didn't have their whole entire roster together for most of these games. Only 10 games, they were healthy together, you know, so that plays a big part. But I'm just talking about before they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, they nearly – they they pushed the uh, the Warriors to six games and gave them a competitive six-game series without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. So – I just, I just like the makeup of that team. I like the type of players that they're getting. They're getting grinded out players, defensive guys that play with a mean streak that don't just shoot three-point shots, but they also do other things like lock you down. I like Patrick Beverly. I like the toughness in him. I like the toughness in Reggie Jackson. I like the toughness in Markeith Morris. I'm, if I'm getting that Davis um, uh, uh, Morris brother right because you have twins right but you know who I'm talking about uh both he, he's 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 a, he's solid you know what I'm saying he's not just a shooter he can step out and guard people and he's tough and he's mean I just like the makeup and the DNA of their team man and I just when I see the Lakers I just see um flamboyant shooters and flamboyant scorers that's all I see it's a team that 
is flamboyant and and on the offensive end, but they're not showing me anything defensively. I mean, yeah, they have some big guys. They have some big guys that can block shots from occasion, but can they come out from the basket and guard guys on the perimeter? Can they do these things? I haven't seen that from the Lakers. I mean, so it's not that I'm on LeBron James. I'm giving you actual reasons why I don't think the Lakers can beat the Clippers. I mean, uh, well, go ahead. trust me, when uh, LeBron, when he needs to play defense, he can play defense. Uh, also, Danny Green is a good defender on that team. They got Avery Bradley, who's one of the better defenders in this league. They got the defense. Mm-hmm. They just, um, I just think overall... They, they haven't been showing it, though. Go ahead. The Clippers are a better team overall, uh, you know, on paper. But I would mm-hmm. never, I would never write off, you know, LeBron James... Just because of the fact that he won a championship, he came back from 3-1 against uh, that uh, Warriors team that had the record for most win- wins in a season. And he did it with a team that's a lot worse than this Lakers team. He didn't have Anthony Davis on that team, you know? Yeah. So I wouldn't write him off, even though I'm not a fan of him. You know, as a Bulls fan, I we can all agree that 90% of us hate him. Hate his guts because right. of what he did to us, but uh, you gotta you gotta admit that he's a great player, man. Yeah, he is a great player. I've never taken that away from him. The only thing I've taken from LeBron is that um, in the in the clutch moments, he 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 just hasn't come up big. He'd rather give the ball to someone else. And all the great players that I've known and that I've seen since I started watching the NBA back in 1989, they all wanted to take that shot and win in time. They never wanted to pass it off to another teammate. You know. Yeah, but uh, they've did it on occasions, but not consistently like how he does. He always does it, and you know, and I don't see that from the greats. Yeah, yeah, he would. I mean, he's kind of like a, a closer to you know uh, Magic Johnson than Magic he is Johnson. to, to right. Michael Jordan. You know, so Michael he won't Jordan have the ball, but he'll make the definitely make the right play, and you want him to have. But to play. answer your, but to answer your question, I don't I don't see Anthony Davis coming to Chicago. Um, it could happen. Anything is possible, but I don't. I don't see it happening. Um, I think when he got out of New Orleans, it was a desperation to get to L.A., and that's where he really wanted to end up. And I think it's going to take more than one bad year for him to just walk away from that whole thing and walk away from LeBron James, especially. Not a lot of players have walked away from LeBron James. I mean, Kyrie Irving did it for his own reasons, but not a lot of players just walk away from LeBron James. You know, after leaving their team and going over there. He has a lot of respect around the league. I got to get that to him, you yeah, know? Absolutely. A lot of these players, even even the best players, like the, the young players like Luka Doncic and all of these other other kids, they grew up, you know, idolizing him. You know, they were they came into the league thinking that LeBron is the best player, and they still do, you know? You will hear it from uh-huh. the top 10, 15 players. 80% of them will tell you, hey, LeBron is the, still the best player in the league. So you're right about that. I, I don't think the chances are uh, the chances are, are very slim for us to, to get mm-hmm. Davis. Uh, and I don't expect that to happen, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to get your opinion on that because you never know in this league, man. But I'm going to tell you what, if it does happen, man, we go on to the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Absolutely. We go on to the Eastern Conference Finals because no no – no, no shade to um to the Greek freak, you know, or to to MB if he stays in Philly because I don't know where he's gonna end up at this point. Philly's unhappy with that's another story for another day. But Anthony Davis, I think we would have the big the best big man in the East if we got him, and then 
you know, Connor Sovers do his thing and get the right guys that we need in here. I I, I don't doubt that he'll do that. And I, I see us being great, man, with him. You know, but that's something that he'll want to he'll have to want to do. But I see him wanting to come to Chicago later on down the, on the road of his career when he's almost done. You know, or oh, let me do the whole homecoming thing. Yeah, that's how I see that. Bro. I don't want him then. I'm sorry. I just, I just it, it's either he comes prime either. or he doesn't come at all. We'll make it right. without him if he doesn't come. Right. But this is our show, Christian. We're gonna have to wrap this up after this like quick break, and we'll be right back, folks. Step into the Red Target, known as the Bullseye Facebook group, consisting of 2,200 loyal fans, loyal, passionate fans that really care about the Bulls. Watch us post the most up-to-date information on the team, team news, trades, injuries, and all related Bulls content. Join us on the Bullseye Facebook group. All right, we're back. Another one in the books. Another one bites the dust. Uh, episode three is is finally done. And man, uh, over an hour we did this show. But being based on how short episode one and episode two was, we did our due justice with this one. And I got my co-host with me. And this was a great show. We covered a lot of bases. And, you know, we're, we're going to wait to see you back here for uh, episode four. Any final thoughts for the fans, Christian? Yeah, I just want to thank everybody that's, you know, listening to us. And uh, I also want to invite everybody to the Bullseye group. If you guys have any opinions, any questions you guys have for us, anything you want to discuss, you guys can join the group. You can throw in your opinion. We'll discuss it. And uh, again, thanks, th- thanks to you, brother, and thanks to everybody listening to us. Yeah, man, I just wanted to build this empire, you know, and give Bulls fans a voice. This is the reason why I built the Bullside group as well. You know, when I was years ago kicked out of a group and I, I went and started the Bullseye group to have <laughs> for Bulls fans to have that that voice where nobody is shutting out their voice and they can speak their mind and say what they want to say. And that was my concept why I built that platform and now this one. And I'm hoping that Bulls fans will enjoy this. Well, that's my show. Bulls fans, I hope to see you here for episode four. Go Bulls. What's up out there, Bulls fans? We're a new show and we're always looking to grow. How would you like to be a part of our show? Send us your comments through Twitter, at TalkingBulls82, or you can post your comments to this show, to the messenger of this show, and you can follow us at Spotify. We'd be glad to hear your thoughts.